You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more. So you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. This is Bloomberg Business of Sports. The cold hard truth about the Olympic journey is not really been financially incentivized in the same way that many other professional sports are. The business of basketball involves CBA, global, our licensing arm, Think 450. All of those things will make up what that looks like. Money in sports is one of the reasons why I enjoy being on Monday Night Countdown. We talk about some of the more interesting aspects of business of sports. When you're talking sports, discipline is the bridge from being good to ultimately being great at whatever it is that you're trying to be or accomplish at your profession. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports show where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. I'm Michael Barr. I'm Scarlett Fu. And I'm Damian Sassauer. And we have several headlines in sports to go over from the live golf story to Vince McMahon to soccer. Bloomberg's Jerry Smith joins us. Jerry, thank you so much for talking with us. Thanks for having me. Let's begin with Liv, because that has become the biggest controversy that I can think of in golf, and it, you know that in terms of just a breakaway league. Even Tiger Woods, who had his own scandals years ago, is slamming Greg Norman about. The breakaway league. That's great context, Bar. It's yeah. Well, he did. It was. I remember that. It was like, oh man, Jerry. It, your thoughts? I mean, th- this is something. Yeah. So, Live Golf is this new golf league, and it's controversial for a few reasons. The, the biggest is that it is uh, backed by uh, Saudi Arabia's sovereign wealth fund. Um, so, you know, the golfers who have joined this league are getting a lot of criticism from people who feel like you shouldn't be aligning yourself with a golf tour that's backed by a country with a history of human rights um, abuses. So that's been very controversial, but live golf has been a lot more successful than I think a lot of people would have thought. They've been able to recruit a lot of big name golfers, Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, Patrick Reed, and they've had two events so far. And, you know, the other thing about live golf is they are able to get these golfers, um, from the PGA Tour because they're offering more money. I mean, the, the purses that these guys are playing for at Live Golf is much bigger than, uh, you know, your typical PGA Tour event. Yeah. And, and the schedule is lighter. And, and so, um, you know, a lot of these golfers, a lot of them are um, older and are not as competitive as they used to be and are seeing these huge uh, guaranteed checks. Yeah. I mean, dead, dead, dead last in a Live Golf event still makes $120,000 and then the winner gets $3 million. So, it's um you know they are they have been successful in getting a lot of big name golfers to join. 
Work less, and it's a real threat more. to the PGA Tour. Yeah, work less, paid more. What's not to love if you are um, in your twilight <laughs> twilight years as a golfer? But Jerry, the thing that is interesting now, because we know the PGA Tour feels under threat, and it's uh, come up with these rules where it kicks players off, golfers off the tour if they participate in the Live uh, Golf Tournament. Is the Justice Department is now looking into how the PGA Tour is responding, which I thought was really interesting. Is it unusual for the DOJ to step in like this and examine the PGA Tour? It is. Um, yeah, I mean, what you've said is, is seems to be at the center of the Justice Department's investigation of, of potential antitrust violations, and, and that is that the PGA Tour has suspended indefinitely any of their uh, members who've joined the uh, live golf circuit so, you know, Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson, all these guys are essentially banned from playing on the PGA Tour again. This is, it's unusual, but it's actually not without precedent. Um, the Federal Trade Commission back in the early 90s uh, investigated the PGA Tour for a similar uh, situation where, and it was actually Greg Norman again in the early 90s who wanted to start a rival golf tour from the PGA Tour. He, he called it World Golf. Um, and it even went as far as Fox was, willing to, uh, to buy the television rights for World Golf. And the PGA Tour uh, threatened to suspend the golfers who joined World Golf. And the FTC spent several years investigating. Ultimately, they decided not to pursue any sort of legal action against the tour. And that has a lot to do with the fact that the tour did a very aggressive job in Washington, D.C., getting members of Congress to write letters to the FTC saying, you know, back off uh, the PGA Tour. They do a lot of good things for charities. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how the PGA Tour responds to this Justice Department investigation and, and whether they try to uh, you know, rally a lot of support in Washington on their behalf. Jerry, let's talk about the live product. You know, I'm sure you uh, you, you saw, you know, the, the tours in England, the one most recently in Portland. You know, you've got four man teams. You've got a Shockland start. You know, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on the live product? How does it compare to, you know, the PGA? And did you like it? Yeah, I spent um, last weekend um binge watching uh, live golf second tournament. This was outside of Portland. And I mean, the first thing to note is it's not on um, us television, uh, you know, all the big TV networks, uh, NBC, CBS, ESPN, they already have long-term deals with the PGA tour. So they're not broadcasting this. So if you want to watch live golf, you have to watch it on YouTube or Facebook or on the live golf website. Um, you know, I, I watched several hours of it. Um, on one hand, it's, it's, pretty similar to what you might watch in the PGA tour. On the other hand, there are some real differences that I think are genuine improvements. I mean, there's no commercials. Um, and that's a big frustration for a lot of golf fans. Is that there's just too many commercial breaks. Um, you know, there's a shotgun start, which means that all the players start on the course at the same time on different holes. So you don't have to wait for the golfers to tee off one by one or have the leaders finish hours before the telecast starts. So I watched it and I thought, you know, I'm watching a lot more golf shots than I normally would on, the, on a PGA Tour event. Uh, the format's different. They have, they're not only competing individually, but they also have these four-man teams. Um, and the four-man teams, whoever wins that also gets, um, you know, a couple million dollars. So, uh, but I mean, that's really the thing that they hit you over the head with when you're watching live golf. It's just, it's all about the money. Um, you know, they, the announcers are constantly reminding you of how, how much money is at stake, how these guys have never played for this much money in their life. Um, and that's kind of all that's at stake. There's no history. Uh, these guys, I mean, one thing that's really important is these guys aren't playing for world ranking points right now. And that matters because world ranking points 
uh, determine who gets to play in the majors. So you're in a situation now where some of these live golf guys may never get to play in the Masters or the U.S. Open or the British Open or PGA Championship because they play on a tour that doesn't give them the points that would qualify them. Um, so I'm watching it and I'm thinking, you know, these guys are millionaires. They've already, um, they're financially secure. They're playing for a couple million dollars more. Uh, but I, I felt like I wasn't as nervous as if I was watching, uh, say, the British Open this week where these guys are playing for, put their name in the history books and not just money. So less at stake. I thought so. I mean, if you, uh, you know, if, certainly there's a lot of money at stake, more money than normal. But, um, but yeah, the history of the game, um, the, I mean, really golf is about the four majors and these guys don't grow up dreaming about uh, winning uh, a live golf tournament outside of Portland. There is another big story to talk about. Vince McMahon's reign at WWE. It is threatened by misconduct claims. Uh, and his name has been synonymous with the WWE, but uh, now the 76-year-old executive, Jerry, uh, is in trouble. Take us through that. That's right. I mean, there's been uh, reports in the Wall Street Journal uh, in recent weeks about how uh, Vince McMahon has made um, you know, several million dollars in, um, in payments to women that he's um, you know, allegedly sexually harassed or had uh, affairs with. Um, and so now the uh, WWE's board has uh, launched an investigation into these allegations, and uh, we're waiting to see what the outcome of that investigation is. In the meantime, uh, Vince McMahon has, has stepped aside as the CEO, and his daughter Stephanie McMahon has um, has taken has taken over that role. Um, you know, one thing that's important to note is Vince McMahon still is um, in creative control of WWE, and and that's important because what you really see on the broadcasts of a WWE wrestling match is, uh, you know, that's Vince's brainchild. Uh, he also owns the majority of the voting shares of the company. So he's still in control of the company. Um, but we're all waiting to see what the outcome of this investigation is. One thing and, though, and what WWE decides to do. Yeah. One thing that you've made clear through your reporting is that Vince McMahon has changed professional wrestling. He's made it profitable and, all these different stakeholders are invested in what he's created. What has been his secret sauce? Like, what is it that he does that no one else can do? And therefore, even with all this misconduct, people are reluctant to see him go. Well, I mean, he, if you go back decades, I mean, he, um, you know, he took what was essentially a bunch of regional businesses around the country and he consolidated them all into this big national product. And WWE's even gone national, uh, international now. Um, so he's, he's just, a, he's built this, uh, wrestling into this global, uh, entertainment empire. He's struck very lucrative deals with Fox and NBC universal. I mean, uh, WWE matches are on USA. They're on the Peacock streaming service. Uh, so the exposure that this sport has gotten, um, with under Vince McMahon's leadership has, has grown exponentially. Um, you know, and then the storylines, I mean, WWE has, even in their SEC filings, have, have warned investors that if Vince McMahon no longer was involved in the, the creative process, that would be a, a real material problem for the company. I mean, he's really the brainchild um, of, of all of the drama that happens at WWE. And, and so if he were to get pushed out over this, uh, you know, it could have a real impact on the company. 
And yet, Jerry, nevertheless, uh, WWE shares are up 26% year to date. That versus a 21% drop in the S&P 500. I mean, what does that tell you? I mean, is the market indeed pricing a possible change in ownership? I mean, we all know about Vince McMahon's impact on the company and how you know many analysts believe he is critical to the ongoing success of WWE. But, you know, do investors want McMahon out? I mean, what, what, what are stock prices telling you here? I think that in talking to a lot of people who've observed Vince's career and have uh, followed the WWE for a long time, there's a lot of skepticism that anything real is going to happen here. Um, Vince McMahon has been through a lot of controversies going back to the 1990s. There was a trial over, um, you know, steroid abuse among wrestlers. Uh, There was a wrestler that died in the ring during a pay-per-view event. There's been several wrestlers who have sued uh, over head injuries, uh, concussions that they said have caused brain damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Vince McMahon has, has survived all of this. Um, you know, and, and I think investors are probably thinking that he can uh, survive this as well. To give you an idea how popular WWE is, and uh, if you remember our show, we talked with Stephanie McMahon some time ago. And my my sons actually perked up when we t- to show you how popular <laughs> this is. Hey, he, you they know, cared about what you do. They at work. actually cared, and and I, you know, they said, "Well, who'd you talk to this time, Dad?" I said, "We talked to Stephanie McMahon, WWE," and they said, "What you Dust McBones actually talked about somebody?" <laughs> so this is a popular sport, folks. And it's let's, about relevance. It is. And let's see what happens, especially with younger people. They like it. Uh, Championship League soccer rights expected to top $2 billion in the U.S., Jerry. That's right. So uh, UEFA uh, this week kicked off the process of selling uh, their U.S. media rights. And uh, we've reported that pretty much every major sports broadcaster has expressed interest in these rights from NBC and ESPN, uh, you know, CBS, even Apple and Amazon. Um, and so this is going to be a really big test of the value of soccer in America. Uh, the last big test we got was the Premier League rights last year, which NBC uh, renewed their contract uh, for the Premier League at a significant premium. And I think that uh, the soccer clubs uh, with uh, UEFA's Champions League, and, and again, this is Europe's uh, Champions League is Europe's uh, top soccer tournament. I mean, this is... Um, the highest level of European soccer, they feel like they're going to uh, get a significant increase in their in the price of the rights for uh, their U.S. media broadcasts. Yeah, I mean, you named in your stories a bunch of possible bidders. It's kind of like who is not involved in the talks at this point for this higher price. The UEFA is also making changes to make its product more compelling. What are some of those changes? Yeah, I mean, they've they've added more teams. And um, they've also um, a couple of things that they've done that is that are interesting because uh, they've they're really acknowledging how big streaming is becoming in sports. Uh, they have relaxed the requirement that they used to have that a certain number of matches be on traditional television. So, for example, if Apple or Amazon were to swoop in and buy these rights, they obviously wouldn't have a place on television for that. But um, you know, they could still you know win the rights. Uh, they've also added uh, January was usually a pretty uh, with a break for the UEFA Champions League. They've actually con- added matches in the month of January. And they did this because there was a concern among media companies that the season ended around Christmas. 
and then people would cancel their streaming service. And now there's, you know, because there weren't any matches in January, so they've added matches in January. Um, bigger picture, it's just an example of how they are really, the media companies are really focused on putting, using soccer as a way to drive their streaming services. And this is a sports league that is trying to cater to these sports, these media companies and say, hey, we want to work with you. We understand the ch- unique challenges of streaming. And uh, we would, you know, we're going to change our rules to accommodate that. Jerry, let's look at the numbers here. I mean, uh, you know, I think I think offers are expected to come in at two billion for a six-year deal. That's about three hundred thirty-three million per year relative to what Paramount and Univision are paying UEFA now, which is one hundred and forty-five million combined per year. That's more than double. I mean, is that enough? I mean, think about it. I mean, the uh, the Real Madrid Liverpool match, two point eight million viewers. I mean. Talk to me about, you know, that number. Is that enough, given what other sports are commanding um, in today's day and age? Well, I, I think that you have to realize that soccer, I mean, soccer is not a top-tier sport in America. Its its popularity is growing. But, you know, I mean, if you look at the, the ratings, I mean, yes, the, the ratings you pointed out for the Champions League final were, you know, almost 3 million viewers on CBS is, is very good. But uh, soccer is not the NFL. It's not the NBA. It's not Major League Baseball. Um, it's sort of in that second tier of sports. So I, I don't think they're going to command uh, a huge uh, number of dollars for their rights. But it is that, you know, Europe's top, sock, top, top soccer tournament, uh, you know, a team like Liverpool does have a fan base in the U.S. Um, and, and so we'll see what happens. And ultimately, sports rights are about uh, competition. And, and when you've got all the big media companies and very deep-pocketed tech companies all expressing interest, um, that could certainly drive the price up. Bloomberg's Jerry Smith. If you're lucky enough to have the Bloomberg Terminal, or if you can go online, check out his articles. They are very good, second to none. Jerry Smith, thank you so much for joining us, sir. Thanks for having me. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Show. We are here each and every week at the same time, plus online, wherever you get your podcasts. You can catch those Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. I'm Scarlett Foo, and of course, I'm on Twitter at Scarlett Foo. And I'm on Twitter at The Sass Hour. Thanks for joining us. Tune in again next week for the latest on the stories moving big money in the world of sports. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.